We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. A huge fight weekend. We are off the heels of Terrence Crawford versus Sean Porter. We're going to be talking about the fight. We're going to talk about everything that went into the preparation of the fight. We're going to talk about this man being more famous than he ever gives himself credit for and everything he did during the fight week and how he kept it a secret. This man is a million jobs now. I used to say 20 then 30, then 1,000. He's got a million jobs now. So he is the brains behind a lot of things that you guys see that you don't even know about. So we're going to talk about all of that on today's show. We have a guest, Stephen Fulton. He fights next weekend here in Vegas, unification fight against Brandon Figueroa. We're going to talk to him about that fight. We're going to talk to him about Crawford, Porter, what he hopes, what he, what he saw out of that fight, what he hopes to take from Bud's game plan that he can use next week. A lot of good stuff with him coming up as well. Dre, but we got to start the show off like we always do. What kicks you got today? Oh, no, these are just regular. These are Air Max. Oh, these? regular they, Air Max. Real quick, coming out the house. Max yeah, I mean, the, the, the laser Air Max, I got uh, 2008 Look at laser that. pack. The Mr. Perfect. Oh, yeah. Shout out to, to the Rats Rap homies. Emilio, <laughs> who will be doing? Well, by the time y'all hear this, we've already done the live show. Uh but yeah, I got this one when, when Kaz and Wale was in town for Foot Locker. Like it, long sleeve. Yeah, I, nice. I, I got a sweater on today because it said it was going to be 65. And I went outside, I was like, you fucking lied. Yeah, it's, nah, not, hot it's, it's hot. So I'm rocking this CrossFit Jesus t-shirt because of Emilio. We'll talk about that on the live stream. Make sure you guys tune in. But he is the originator of the CrossFit Jesus movement. <laughs> you know, he doesn't get credit for it. So mm. I had to wear the shirt and... You know, I tried to pop him with the shirt. Did something special for you. What? No black DCs today, baby. Look at the slides. You want them? Get the dusty ass slides off the year. Old slide. Get those dusty ass slides. Hold what on. are you doing? I'm gonna pull that's, the chancleta off. Hold that's on. that's COVID, brother. Like, Look get at that this. off the, get Look that at off this. the it table. Got, it got no tread on the bottom. How are you wearing these in public? 17 years these have been around. The show I is over. About them. The show I brought is over. I'm the leaving when you don't. And you, I got my ESPN ringside socks. Help, help me. ESPN ringside socks, but help that's me. not the star of the hey, show. if you guys are walking by, help me. This man has on 17-year-old slides 17 in a years studio strong, baby. and put them on a table. 17 years strong. What is wrong with you? How are those for you? Why would you wear those for me? Got to take the dust off. The yeah, what, man, <laughs> I'm buying you some new slides. Nah, nah, nah. It's not even 17 years. My daughter's 16. These how do you have slides older than, oh my God. than my child? This is how it works. Oh my gosh. This thing's go strong. I, I bought I'm these for twelve ninety nine. I'm gonna throw up. Twelve ninety nine. This is disgusting. You know how many Jordan slides you probably had in that Whoa. time? I can't even hear years, you, baby. Seventeen years. Is this is this like is this part of COVID? I've been like waiting. When you get COVID and you can't hear because <laughs> I've, I've been waiting all day you got foot. to show you the slides. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're gonna sanitize the booth. Gotta, yeah, yes, you can't what is, where are those things been? Everywhere. What have they seen? All things. They're all knowing. Oh, <laughs> I feel like when you get to the end of Loki and you just you just see him standing there nah, and you're just man. like, he's seen it all. He knows everything. Those, Those are my slides. I can't believe that you did that. Yo, 
junior year of high school, these slides were purchased. They've seen many a football field, many a travels, many a hotel room. Oh my God. In constant rotation. And got... no, they're not even house slides. Yo, they're outside slides. Your slides got polio, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen, my slides are going stronger than any shoes in here. 2008. No, they're not, man. I, got... I scoff at you buying those in 2008. These are 2005, baby. What you know about 2005? I don't, I don't, I'm offended. 05? 04. My daughter was born in 05. These are 04. Vintage. What you know about that? Yeah. I'm a. <laughs> when. They're not name brand. If not, I would, I would hit the company up and be like, yo, I need a sponsorship. But they're not. I think I copped them at like Walmart. $12.99. This is good old Walmart engineering That's, at work. And you so, wear them all. You worn the, the tread off of. They got no tread left. You got Goodyear slides on. You wore the tread off of it. <laughs> yeah. I've played so many games of flag football. In those? In just my slides. I've balled in Sunset Park. Balled. Full court in my slides. We can't make this show about your slides. <laughs> We're two seconds away about making this show I just, about I just, slides. I just wanted to let you know that I wore these because it's a special occasion. Because we got the live stream today. Because we're doing this show. Because it's a big weekend. And that, I got to sit with these things during the live stream? Yeah, these are my celebratory slides. I don't know what you're celebrating. They, we got I, so I, much to celebrate yo, here Blue I'm Wire cer- Studios. I'm certain you've had Las Vegas. Play. I'm certain you've had athletes. Of course not. I have magnificent man feet. No, I, I, no. My feet are so soft. They're incredible. I, no, no. I, I, I promise you. I started getting pedicures on your, uh. Yeah, that was later. You yeah. spent 15 years getting athlete's foot, man. You got fungus. I got soft, soft feet and soft hands. Don't spores. My you wife, got, my you wife got raccoon rubs my city feet. spores in your <laughs> slides, man. Like, my wife rubs my feet at night. She keeps them nicely She's a soft. good wife. She is. She is. This is why she is my I wouldn't wife. do that to my wife. You wouldn't rub your wife's feet? No, no, no. I would, I would not. No, I would <laughs> not make my wife rub my feet after I wore 17-year-old slides, man. Well, That's disrespectful. You got, you got tiny little paws. You're probably very ashamed of them. You wear like a size 8. No, nah, I wear size 11. What's wrong with you? Don't, don't disrespect <laughs> Like, stop. Man, move on, man. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I feel, you know these, I feel sli- you know these slides are incredible. I feel like I've been blindsided by this conversation. <laughs> you know who appreciates my lack of footwear and clothing? <laughs> Big E does. We, we pulled up on E, we went to brunch, and he was like, don't let this man shame you. If you don't want to buy clothes, if you only want to wear free things, do that, Kel. And I was like, you know what, E? I'm inspired. If it's good enough for the WWE champion of the world, it's good enough for me. Yeah, but the WWE champion of the world makes seven figures and gets a ton of stuff for free. He don't buy nothing, though. I mean, he doesn't have to. He's the WWE champion. Fair. I'm aspiring to be him. <laughs> he is motivational. He, I need him to I, buy a new wallet. I, we, we, I, I mean, I, I, I promised him I will no longer wallet shame him once he said he, I, he appreciated God. my DCs. That's not No, he people. did not say he appreciated Chris your Bay, DCs. Chris Bay. He did not say he appreciated your DCs. He was astounded that you were wearing DCs as a grown both man. Both can be true. They're not no, they were not exclusive. both true. One was very true. The other one you're fabricating. <laughs> he was not appreciative of you wearing DCs in 2021. He said, man, I haven't seen those since I was in middle school. That's not That props. was a compliment. That's not props. That's like someone's like, yo, are those dead stock? Like, he no, knew I he, got those from deep. There's, nothing, there's no such thing as a dead stock DC. Ooh, I'm making it happen. Wait, wait till I find somewhere on the depths of eBay, I'm going to find some dead stock yo, DCs from 01. So, listen, we're doing this show, and I slept for 45 minutes, literally the day <laughs> after the fight. I ain't ready for this nonsense from you. I'm just, we're talking I'm about not. Big E, though, and his appreciation. That's of my me. brother. But that's my brother, but we went damn. to brunch. That's kind of further along in the story. Yeah. Let's give the people a recap of fight week mm. and take it from the top. The top of what? How far back do you need me to go? You go into like Tuesday, Wednesday. But for you, it's further. Yeah, when I mean. did you know that you were going to be playing double duty oh, at this fight, covering okay. it as a journalist on one hand, but also helping Sean put together his entrance and Big E coming out and shout out to Rap Rhapsody. Rapping him to the ring. I found out she's the second woman to rap him yeah, to the ring. Little Kim was the first. Yeah, to j- with Zab, uh, No, Zab it was Zab, Zab, Zab. Yeah, yeah, like lighters up or something. Yeah, I don't. I, but yeah. Um. So yeah. So here, here, here it goes. I've known Sean for a while. I've known Sean and Kenny. I was introduced by Zab. Matter of fact, <laughs> back in like 2012, when I did a documentary on Zab, Zab told me he used to fight drunk. That he was. He had just as much liquor in his body as a half a bottle of Grey Goose. 
when we used to fight on Tyson undercard. So I did a documentary with Zab. And me and Zab used to hang out. I haven't talked to Zab in a minute. But he introduced me to Sean when Sean was just really getting started with his pro career. I think he was still a super middleweight at the time. Wow, yeah. He was just starting to cut down. So I've known him for a long time. And for those uh, who are new to this show, I did, I had E walk Sean out for the Errol Spence fight. And me and Sean have always been friends. There's a picture that's floating around me, Sean, and Royce. Uh, from, it was ahead of that fight. We were trying to get Royce out. But me and Sean have always been close. And um, so I get a call about two and a half weeks ago, and it's E. And he's like, hey, uh, Sean's going to call you. And I was like, well, what's up? He's like, he's trying to figure out his entrance. And he called me, and I was like, call Andreas. And I was like, all right. I took the call, and we, we FaceTime real quick. And I'm, in my head, I'm thinking, dog, you got to fight in a few weeks. And he's like, yo, my original walkout fell out. I'll say who. It's the Jabberwockies. He was trying to work with the Jabberwockies. What can we do? And we sat on the phone and we brainstormed. And I was like, damn. And I, I think I mentioned it or E mentioned it, the, uh, the, the preacher thing. And I, no, E mentioned it and I said, oh, it's going to be the seven-year anniversary of the New Day, the, the debut promos that everybody hated. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so <laughs> why not incorporate this? And then Sean was like, yeah, how do we make it even bigger? And uh, our first thought was Wale. And E calls Wale. And I looked it up while he was calling him. And I was like, oh, my God, Wale's got a show. And it's the only show Wale's got in, like, the last month and a half. He's in Detroit with uh, Royce, who was our other choice, too, yeah. and Nas. And I was like, well, neither of them can do it. And Sean's like, damn, well, who can I get? And I'm looking, and I'm thinking, I go, Rhapsody. And Sean just, he says, hold on. And he comes back and he texts me the track Godzilla. And if anybody's heard Rhapsody's Godzilla's from Beauty and the Beast, which came out 2017? Yeah, yeah, the remake of that. And uh, when, so I heard, I, I, I hadn't heard, I, that was not the song I was thinking of. I was thinking, I was like going through the recent album with Eve and even Layla's Wisdom. And I was like, I'm trying to find a song and it goes to Godzilla. And her bars on Godzilla are about God and being a titan. And Sean spotted this joint real quick. And I was like, all right, well, I guess we're going to have our entrance. But I was like, let me call rap because God forbid she got something to do. I hit rap up and I'm like, what are you doing? I always do this with rap. So I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm doing a movie. I was like, shit. I was like, well, when you, I was like, uh, well, I don't know if you know who Sean Porter is, but I'm, I'm, putting together, I'm trying to put together this walkout. And she's like, I'm in. <laughs> Easy. She was like, I've never done anything like this before. I'm in. And I was like, he was like, she was like, what song? And I sent her Godzilla, and she was like, oh. And I knew when she said, oh, I was like, you ain't performed this song in a long time. <laughs> and she's like, I got to brush it up. So from that point, it was immediately Sean puts me in concert with Brad Jacobs over at uh, Top Rank, C, the chief of production. COO. COO. Brad says, what do you want to do? And from that point, I scripted this whole thing out. I laid it out. I knew what I wanted. I talked to E. He was like, he either wanted a pulpit or he wanted stained glass, like real stained glass. And I was like, damn, I don't think we can get real stained glass on stage. <laughs> Brad sends me the layout. I was like, Brad, this is what I want. Brad's like, can, you, can we do like graphics of stained glass? I was like, hell yeah. Easy. <laughs> so then he's like, well, this is the time in here. And I'm like, well, all right. So I'm putting this show together. Now, I used to, <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to put together like step shows and all that good stuff. So this is my wheelhouse. Took, took you back in the yeah, day. Yeah, this the, is like, the I group. like making things. Like I've always liked to produce things and see things happen. So I saw, I was visualized, I had the timing down. I sent it to him. Brad was like, this is very descriptive. You're, this is okay. I guess apparently they get ring walks and they're just like guy raps. raps. Yeah, that's yeah. It. I was like, no, man. And I was like, and he's going to do this and rapsy. And then Sean hits me and was like, should I talk to my choir at church? I was like, talk to your choir at church. Let's, <laughs> I was like, we need, some, we need an audience for this. And Sean, like, this man has a fight. And he's like very hands-on. The most beautiful thing about Sean is he handles all his business himself. So I'm like, all right, Sean, we got to, you know, book these flights. And he's like, all right, I'm going to book them. I was like, you don't have an assistant. What are you doing? <laughs> and Sean's like, can you just run point on everything for me? I'm like, absolutely. He's like, I'm just trying to make this a really big entrance. Now, mind you, I didn't know this man was going to retire. I had no idea. And, the, I mean, we'll talk about the fight itself, but I should have started catching what he was laying down. Connecting the dots. Because he was very adamant. He was like, I just saw what Wild and Fury did. I just, he was like, I want to make mine like big and special. And he's like, I'm trusting with this. And I was like, all right. 
And for me, it was just stress because I'm like, I'm trying to pull this thing together. I'm trying to be a writer too. And I'm like, I can't really interview you because I know you now and I'm like very involved in this. But at the same time, I got to make this thing special. E, the thing with E was like, we had to get past the WWE. They had a house show Saturday. Mm. And when I talked to them, they were like, oh, E's going to do another walkout. And, you know, the champ is like, can you make sure he's back by Survivor Series? And I talked to E, I was like, you all right with this? He was like, I might have to do SmackDown and then I'll fly back and forth. Cross country. That Boom. guy's an animal. He's a monster. We put it all together. Fight we came. And, I, you know, I'm always worried that things are going to go wrong. We had rehearsals on Saturday. We saw you afterward. Everything went smooth. Um, the choir came. We got the robes. I had to get them steamers. Like, I ran back and forth. People that saw me at the fight was running back and forth. And, um, yeah, it came out the way it came out. And everybody, you know, he was like, you need to go ahead and say this. is like, this is Andreas Hell production. Like, you did this. And when I went back and saw Sean, like, Sean, before the fight, Sean gave me a big hug and was just like, thank you. And I was like, wow. And when I saw the walkout happen, I asked Brad, I was like, can I just hang back here and just watch it happen? He was like, yeah. And I watched it happen, and I was like, yo, this is crazy. Yeah, it was bananas. I had to capture it, walk yeah. it down. I was and, like, yo, this is crazy. And look, I know we're trying to keep this thing on a time. Right now, I don't care. We're going to go over a little bit. <laughs> because this is really special to me. There's a moment backstage that you caught on, on uh, that you posted on the ringside of Coward, where Rhapsody's like zoning out and he's going over his lines, and you're capturing the video. And I'm standing there and I'm like, these are my people doing this at a major fight, right? And I was like, and he was, and he turns to me after you recorded the video, which I didn't know that you were putting that up, and he was like, he pokes me and he goes, you're the plug. And I was like, man, we're all the plug, we're the team. <laughs> but it made me think, I was like, Wow, man, if 16-year-old Andreas would have heard that he would be uh, bringing all his worlds together, boxing, hip-hop, and pro wrestling, for a boxing ring entrance, pro wrestling style, on a major pay-per-view with somebody that I genuinely am friends with and care about, I, I would have called you a liar. And my man's the champ, right? Like, he's the champ. The champ of the world, babe. I, I, it was just, it was an unbelievable thing and now, now that you're at ESPN and it's just like I'm watching I'm like man my people are, are doing shit like this is this is big for me like that whole moment it was such a small moment of watching you catch that video and watching them in their element and Rhapsody's just like she didn't give me any hard time like the whole time she's like I just want to make sure Sean's good I don't want to give anybody She's the nicest time. person. <laughs> I love rap and I hadn't seen rap like face to face in like 10 years. We talk on the phone we text a lot you know, her, before albums are done, she's always sharing them with me. So I know what's like, me and rap are cool, but I hadn't seen her. And I see my sister, I pull up, I was like, I'm going to pick you up. I pull up, we, I hug her, and she's like, bro, it's like, she was like, it's our heroes rock. And I was like, oh, shit, you're right. We're like, we're, this is our cartoon coming to life. And Sean was like, this is the crew. And I'm like, this is, this is crazy. And all these things came together, and it was, like, it was truly like an out-of-body experience. And... I tweeted it. It's like I spent my whole life feeling inadequate and feeling like an imposter syndrome. That's why I've, I, it's very hard for me to take compliments from people. I never felt like I belonged. And it was the first time in a long time in my life where I was like, I felt wanted. I felt like I was needed to make these things happen. There's a, our little brunch picture where we're all sitting there eating brunch. And I'm just like, man, it's my folks, man. I brought, like, I, for once, I was like, yo, I did this. I brought these people together, and I did this walkout. And then after all that, for Sean to retire, so after the press conference, and we'll talk about it probably in the next segment, after the press conference, Sean is walking out. And I was like, let me walk up. And, you know, everybody's trying to get an interview, and, you know, obviously you don't want to do any yeah. interviews. He stops, and he just grabbed me, and he gave me a hug, and he was like, thank you, thank you. And I was like, bro, I didn't know. He's like, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> and he just left. And in my head, I'm like, you just trusted me with that. One of the biggest moments of your life. Like, we're cool. Like, we're really cool. We've been all we've talked about for the past three years is getting our kids together. Yep. And, and movies. Yeah, that's all we talk about. And I'm like, man, and our lives are always passing. And he, kept, he kept saying, he's like, yo, we're going to have time to get our kids together. And I, I wasn't thinking, like, this man was serious about retiring the whole time. There's a lot of people that are like, he's going to come back. But I'm like reading the tea leaves. I'm like, this man's been talking about, like, he's serious about retiring. And, you know, and now it's like we're done. And his boy Carson hit me. He was like, yeah, we're going to have a lot of time to spend with Sean. So finally we're going to chop it up. And now for me, it's like a weight off my shoulders. Like, that's my boy. Yeah. We've been on flights together. 
we we people seeing pictures of us like we we talk and I'm like he's he he was a two-time world champion couldn't happen to better people so it was th that element of it was amazing it's still like I'm still riding that high because I've only slept for 45 minutes since that damn fight <laughs> nah man it was an incredible weekend I almost had to like Debo two dudes who stole the seats at ringside that were meant for Biggie and Rhapsody, I guess. I saw that part too. But I was like, yo, and, and I'm trying to capture the joint ringside. I'm like, whatever. I had two regular seats in press row. Because mm -hmm. obviously at ESPN ringside, I think everyone here knows, it's uh, just me. Right. So it's just me. But they give me enough seats like if I had my team. Right. So I had two extra chairs at ringside. And then someone stole one of those. <laughs> so I went. I got a chair for rap. Because I was like, you're on rap. You're, like, you're sitting here. Boom. Put it in media row. None of the other people around you, not in the crowd, show here, watch the fight. And then the other chair, I was like, I was going to give it to Big E. It was gone. Just miraculously. Big E sat on a production, like, you know, the camera joints yeah. that they have at ringside? <laughs> they come in this giant, like, hard plastic case. Yeah. Someone from production gave him that, and they sat it on its side. That's what he said. And he sat on that. I thought he was sitting in a chair. I looked across the, the table. The entire fight, he sat on a production case. Incredible. I was like, yo, E, you don't got to sit down. Get he was like, don't bother nobody. Go do your job. That's, yeah, that's how but he that's, that's how he is. And, and the craziest thing about all of this, so you know, like, the undercar was relatively short. Yeah. And the whole time, we're worried because WWE flew out. A lot of people were probably watching on WWE. They had a crew out. They Like, I worked with WWE on this, putting this thing together. So I was really, I was like, y'all, it's really the plug on this weekend. But... We're looking at the time, and he's got to catch his flight at 10.45. And I'm like, there's no way he's going to get to see this fight. The Spence fight, he had to leave as soon as he walked Sean out. Yeah. Like, he had to get, get on his flight, and he flew home with Jim Jones. It was really weird. <laughs> um, first class, he was like, I'm, Jim Jones is on my flight. And I'm like, okay, that's crazy. But this, they, Brad hits me. He's like, we're pushing everything up. These fights are ending quick. And I look at Ian, and I was like, you're going to get to watch the fight. And it was like, God forbid something crazy happens. Like, I don't know. And then, like, the walk I had, like, everything was perfect. When we did it with, with Errol and Sean, the ring rope broke. And they had to fix the ring rope, which caused the delay. And we were panicking to get him on that flight. This thing went completely smooth. The walkout went smooth. You know, like, that's why he wasn't bugging about the seat. Like, he just wanted to watch the fight. And Rapsy, who was in the zone the entire she had never been to a fight. Oh, that, that's dope. I didn't even know. Yeah, and she was just like, she texted me. She's like, I need more of this. <laughs> and I was like, all right, since we're going to get you more of this. Because there's women's boxing where you belong, where you could have a voice in women's boxing. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, man. I was look, excited, man. Emotional experience, man, to see all that stuff come together. So, y'all here, here first, and I probably won't talk about it too much anymore after this, but pff, it was nuts. So dope. So much fun. Um, before we head to the break, yo, this felt like a Mayweather weekend. We, we can't escape Bruh. without talking about the Urban Loitering. Urban Loitering was at a premium this it was, week. It was back. I said, all right, Sean Porter, Terrence Crawford, who coming out? Apparently, Terrence brought the whole city in the Omaha with him and Nebraska. Everyone. And, Everyone. And I was like, and this is just nothing but black people. I said, what are all these people? All these chains? Country fed. Yeah. And I'm like, and scantily dressed. I was like, yo, nobody can say anymore that Terrence Crawford don't bring him out. <laughs> Terrence Crawford brings him out. Might be a little hood, but, but I'm here for it. I'm with it. <laughs> I, I enjoyed what right. I saw. If there is a Hennessy shortage at the Mandalay Bay, oh, yeah. we know why. Yeah, because yak. Man, that's that's it. Then we call Hennessy. I need the yak. Yeah, what, what what quality yak you got? Is it brown? Yes, sir, it is. Give me a gallon of that. <laughs> man, yo, it, that Mandalay Bay was, you could tell they were like, whoa. whoa. They had no clue what was about to just descend on the property. What is this melanin in our casino here tonight? <laughs> yo, it was nuts. Yo, it was wild. Such a great. Atmosphere. It was fun. Um, I like that venue. I do Th too. That has now jumped over T-Mobile Arena. Yeah. The only thing that sucks about it is like the loading area, and this is just like some inside baseball because the casino's so big to get there. I had to walk so far, and like me and Rapsy was doing trying to do production, and she didn't know where she was going. It is the place is big, but the arena itself is just really nice. Yeah. It's Locker rooms are easy to get to. I I, I like the setup. So Mandalay Bay has something rocking. We're going to hit the break. When we come back, we're talking to Stephen Fulton. We're going to ask him how he felt about the fight, how he feels about his upcoming fight. And then right after that, we're going to get into the fight itself, really dig deep into Terrence Crawford, what's next for him, Sean Porter. We obviously know what's next for him. Yeah. He's going to the booth. He has a great podcast of his own, right? 
Um, the man's very talented. He needs to start doing movie reviews. Oh, uh, he just got to go sit at his crib and, and just knock these out for YouTube or something. Um, so, I mean, we'll talk about all of that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. More Corner Podcast right after this. Hey, everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, it is a busy fight week, but thankfully, we are joined by the headliner of this week's fight in Vegas, Stephen Fulton, joining us here on the podcast, facing Brandon Figueroa this weekend. Honestly, one of the brightest young fighters in the game. Guys just collecting titles like it's nothing, putting on the show. Steven, it's fight week. How are you feeling? I see you in the hotel room. You lounging, you relaxing. I feel good. You know, I'm in the Airbnb right now because so, I was out here for like, this is my, going on my third week. Monday will be my, well, tomorrow will be my third week out here. So I just feel good right now. I'm just ready to get it on, ready to fight. You know, preparation has been good. You see, I'm I'm, I'm wolfing a little bit. So it's <laughs> like, I'm ready. Yo, I, I got to ask you, man. Um, What's it like having to cut, cut weight and get ready for a fight on damn Thanksgiving, man? It, 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 does it kind of suck because you don't get to indulge like you usually would? Yo, it's crazy because I love to eat, and it's like I sacrifice so many Thanksgivings that it's just normal to me at this point. Like, I sacrifice a lot, and, that, and that's a part of my journey. So it's like when I, when I finally have the chance to, like, retire or not fight, like have a fight around surrounded around this week, then I can be able to enjoy it. And I'm, and I'm okay with that right now. Somebody's saving you a plate, though, right? Like somebody's going to have a plate for you <laughs> on Sunday, some yams, a little turkey, nothing? But I love the yams. But look, <laughs> I, I got I to got, <laughs> I gotta say, uh, when I get back from, uh, the, from the fight, then we'll like have our own little mini little Thanksgiving for me. Got you. Just All to right. make up that day. So, as my co-host mentioned, one of the brightest young stars in boxing. But the interesting thing is, whenever we talk about the young stars, you hear writers talk about Ryan, you hear writers talk about Tank, you hear writers talk about T.O., and sometimes they forget how young you are because you're already a world champion, you're heading into a unification battle already. Do you think that sometimes some of these writers and journalists have overlooked how good you are? Hell yeah, all the time. It's like I'm 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 very I'm very underrated. And you know, I just wrote that down in my journal. This fight will like show where I'm at within the one twenty two pound to the one thirty five pound division. And yeah, I feel like I'm I'm one of the hottest within them within them uh that the, those divisions, which I am, you know, people look at Ryan will well, always bring up Ryan and it's like, well, what the hell did Ryan do but become a social media star? With all due respect, but it's like he's not he's he not world champion. Like Tank, Tank just turned 27. I'm I'm 27. So it's like if y'all putting these people in a list of the hottest young coming up, you gotta add me and include me in that. I'm two time world champion. And I'm about to unify. Do you feel like there's a pressure? Because you mentioned it. These are the hot divisions right now. Like, a lot of the young hot stars are between 122 and 135. But do you feel like there's pressure to move up in weight to eventually, like, faster than you would want to? You're unifying now. You can stay here. You can try to become an undisputed champion. Or do you feel like, yo, you know what? I have to chase guys at 126, 130, and gain this weight faster to get those bigger fights. No, nah, I mean, only, the only thing that'll force me moving up is me eating, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> like, but <laughs> but other than that, no, I ain't got to chase nobody because I'm big. I, I Like, I am the division that I am, that I'm in. Like, 122 pound, when people name the, uh, speak of 122 pound division, the first person they're going to think of is me. They're not just going to think of uh, 
MJ, a lot of people still don't know him. Like, a lot of people in the U.S. still don't know him. Just, like, just as well as a lot of people who still may not know me, but a lot of people still bring my name up with anyway. Yep. So it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm known, but in, in that sense, after this fight, we'll see what MJ does. Uh, maybe we come out victorious. When we come out victorious, we'll see what MJ does if they want to take a fight. If not, I'm I'm up to 26 then, probably. Mm. It's right there. I'm big. I'm, I'm, I'm a big 122-pounder. So it's like, I ain't wasting no time waiting for a guy that want to beat around a bush. So you're fighting Figueroa this weekend. Now, in your last fight with Angelo Leo, you've shown that you slug, you can slug it out with the best of them. Everybody knows you can box, but you show you can stand toe-to-toe. You know Figueroa's going to come for you. How, are you kind of excited to have one of these wars with this guy? Because you know he's not going to stand there and try to box with you. His only way to victory is to kind of throw hands and brawl with you. Yeah, that's going to be the exciting part because a lot of people are wondering, well, well how is Stephen going to approach this fight? Uh, is he going to box? Is he going to brawl? Is, is he going to engage and fight Brandon's fight? Uh, is he going to mix it up? And it's like, however I see fits when it comes down to it, I'm, I will make the adjustments, then that's how I'll fight. So it's like, if he comes in brawling, which we know he will, i just make the adjustments on that. I'll take my time, be patient, no need to get overwhelmed or, or, or overworked to, to waste any more unnecessary unnecessary energy because that's what he does to other fighters. He, like, he makes them overwork themselves. He overwhelms them. So it's like, I understand that. I know that. So the adjustments that I'll make, I will get dirty in there. I got to say that. I'm going, I'm, 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 I'm damn sure, I damn sure won. Won't bust some leather in there. I ain't gonna hold you. So the the other thing is though is you get to talk to all these riders and they ask you, Stephen, what's your game plan coming into this fight? Like you gonna tell them what you about to do? Because <laughs> it's like, why do you think? Is it annoying when riders ask you like, are you gonna come in there and are you gonna make these do this thing and do that? Like, why? Isn't it silly for you? Wouldn't ever tell anybody what you're gonna do on Ed fight night. I feel like they be working with my with my opponent. <laughs> we got spies. People ask me that, <laughs> but no, I don't. I don't give them. I'm not gonna give you the game plan. I'll give you something. Um, I wouldn't give you the game plan, but I'll definitely give you something. And me giving you something will be is going to be a smart, intelligent fight on my end. I'm going to fight when I want to fight, but I'm going to fight, and that's all they'll they'll, they'll get for me. It's going to be a fight, like a hell of a fight. How much and how quickly? Does your game plan change when you're in a fight? Because Terrence Crawford's fight was this past weekend in the post-fight presser. He was like, we knew what Sean wanted to do, but we made our adjustments round two. He was like, I'm figuring out round one. The the original game plan goes out the window. Round two, we're on to the next thing. He goes southpaw, the whole fight changes. So when you think of that when you're in the ring, you have this initial game plan going in, but when do you say, okay, I see something different. Let me change. Or do you stick to the same thing the whole time? How does that usually work for you? Immediately. Like, the the Leo fight, the first round, what I wanted to do wasn't quite working for me. So what I do, I straight switch it up. Now we got to fight. We got to make it an inside fight. Then that's what I'm going to do to make that adjustment. So immediately I make my adjustment. It may come off a little slower because I may have to warm up or or... No matter how much I warm up in the back of the in the back of the dressing room, I still gotta warm myself up mentally and physically to be able to take certain punches. Mm. Every fighter does. You know, it's coming out that coming out that dressing room and you getting hit with an overhand right or a hook or anything. That shit could shock you. You feel me? <laughs> we fighters at the end of the day. You only take one punch. So it's like you no no matter how warm you are, your body still gotta adjust to certain punches. And the temperature of things when you get in that ring. So immediately I make those adjustments if need. You know, what's funny is, uh, you know, we love Sean Porter. We're going to talk about Sean in a minute in the fight with Terrence. But it's kind of similar with Brandon where you kind of know what he's doing. And he doesn't really make a lot of adjustments. It's kind of the one game plan to wear you down with the power punching and the pressure. And there's really no plan B. But nobody's been able to deal with this plan A. Do you think he's got the boxing IQ to kind of make adjustments? Have you seen that in any of his fights? No. I've seen this. Uh, 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 what, what you see out of Brandon is what you get. What you see out of Brandon is what you get now. I will say him fighting a caliber of fighter like myself, he will 
he will come a little different. Meaning he will he I don't think he would just walk straight in and just try to uh bang with me or, or dog me out. A part of me do, but the other part of me shows it says that he has too much respect to just go in there and and just do something like that. Cause I'm a smart fighter. I mean, my power is, is overlooked. So it's like a lot of people, a lot of fighters in didn't don't think I had the power, but my hands was messed up. My hands not messed up anymore. How? So it's I, like I don't think he would just come in and just. It, it, it's, it's certain respect levels that fighters give other other fighters, regardless of, you know, if they if he respects me or not. I'm not going to just go in there. I respect the game. He respect the game enough to not just go in there with a fighter like me and just think he's going to do whatever he wants. That's that's what I'm trying to say. I see you smirk when you're like, my hands are good now. How excited are you to be fully healthy and be like, yeah, I'm going to show people my power. Like, this is the perfect guy at the perfect time, and he's catching me, and he thinks what he saw on film was, was crazy. He thought I was good then. I just saw that smirk. How excited are you to show the people this weekend? Because I'm very excited because a lot of people would just be – underestimating my power a lot of them and it's like at this point i'm just ready to show people not even just about the power but just how good i am because it's like i'm I'm underrated from 122 to 135 i'm underrated and i'm not even in those weight classes but i'm speaking those are the weight classes that i'm there i'm underrated i'm very underrated and it's like now now it's time to show them what i got it's time to show them i can knock out anybody it's time to show them i got the power the skill the mindset the intelligence all that is already there the, the ability to adjust, I'm number one at that. So it's like out thinking and jabbing, I'm number one at that. Speed, I'm up there. So it's like now all I got to do is show left is that power and and the show that I'm I'm one of the top pound-for-pound pound fighters because I, I believe this will put me on pound-for-pound pound list. This will be my ninth undefeated fighter. I'm unified. I will be the first unified ever in Philly from Philadelphia at this week class. So it's like, what more do I need to prove myself? It's time. Yeah. Uh, do you think MJ wants to fight you realistically? I mean, the, the, the natural course of action here is to determine an undisputed champion if you win this fight. But do you think that fight's going to happen realistically? We know how boxing works. We know there's a lot of bullshit involved. I feel like once we get past this fight, we can make that fight happen. It will, it will only make sense for the 122-pound division. No, no other fight will make sense but that fight. When you see a fight talking about unifications, and then you say it only makes sense, there's a fight that makes sense at welterweight. We haven't gotten it for years. <laughs> like, it, it, right? Like, it's, it's just, hey, it makes sense. Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence. We can't get the fight, it seems like. Um, but we did get Terrence Crawford versus Sean Porter. You look at a fight like that, similar to your fight, a slick boxer, against someone who's more of a brawler and Sean, everyone's coming in. Bud is underrated, even though he's number two, number three, top pound for pound in the world, he's underrated. People disrespect, oh, who, do you, who has he fought at welterweight? When you look at a fight like that, and it's such a similar matchup, when you watched it, what, what went through your mind when you were watching that fight? And is there anything that you can take from that where you're like, yo, I'm watching something that I'm going to have to deal with next weekend? Maybe I saw Bud do this, and I can implement that. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely took a lot from that fight uh, on Ter- Terrence Crawford's behalf. And far as that, far as like the, the big fights making sense at welterweight, I got to say, it, it makes sense, but maybe just not at that moment because, you know, Ugas still has a title. Mm. So it's like it's three champions at that weight class. Now, if it was just two, then that fight would really only make sense to happen. True. But it's three right now. They'd be, dis- they'd be disrespecting Ugas, man. They, they, everybody'd be like, "Hey, Errol and Bud," and, and Ugas is like, "God damn, what's I ain't up?" Right anymore. <laughs> it was so close, I ain't writing man. Them off, but it's three world champs at that at that weight class. Big yeah. facts, big facts. Uh, I want to I want to talk about the fight itself. Uh, full disclosure, I helped Sean Porter with his walkout. He's a friend of mine. Even though I'm a writer and I cover, it, I'm not biased. That's just my man's. I hated that I had to see him retire, but at the same time, he's fought everybody at welterweight. Talk about how you feel, because you tweeted about it. You was like, he's tough. He's different. He, that's, Sean Porter, it just feels like he's a different kind of cat. And maybe it is time to go. Maybe he's done everything he's had to do. Are you surprised that he retired? 
I'm surprised that he retired because the way that he retired. I believe he retired out of frustration mm-hmm. and the the, the and, and because of the way his father went about the situation. Like I don't re- like I have no disrespect towards his father, but I don't respect the decision he made and doing that. And I say that because there's a video after that saying uh, he he was saying he was going to stop the fight prior to them to that happening. So it's like you making a fight about you when it should be about your son. If you felt that way, well, won't you get your ass in there and fight? And that's just my my humblest opinion. It's like sometimes we forget that our children, even though that's our children, they still have their own lives as well. They still have their own path. That's the past path that he chose to go. So it's like let him take that route. You can't. Like someone said, tweeted against me. Uh, he probably was trying to save his son from brain damage. Porter's like thirty something fights, son. It's past brain damage at that point. You get what I'm saying? It's past that. So you can't bring that type of analogy to this conversation. Yeah, Porter's a great fighter. He fought everybody. He the top whoever in in any weight class he was in. So it's like, yo, he's. Yeah, like you gotta respect him. You cannot like him for whatever reason. He don't give you a reason not to like him, but you gotta respect him. You gotta respect him. Now his father, on the other hand, I I don't have to respect that part, that aspect of it, because that was anything to do. He made the whole thing about him. Like your fighters, your son is the one fighting. Let him fight. Let him do the talking. Let him control the things. At the end of the day, your son is the one that got to pay you, whether you're the father or not. Your son is paying you. So it's like. You gotta, you gotta let y'all kids do live their life. He like, he still, I feel like he's still trying to control his son. Like even with the when I watched the when they said that Porter lived across from him, Porter and that, and on Porter's bad too. I feel like he gotta let go as well. Like not saying let go of your father's love, but you gotta be your own man as well. So I feel like a part of that played in that their whole career when. I mean, any fighter-trainer dynamic, when you're in the ring, when you're in a situation like that, you haven't been in a situation like that. But we've seen it, um, whether it's Wilder, Fury 2, whether it's this fight, it comes to that point where the trainer has to make a decision. How important is it to have that trainer-fighter relationship and speak about these things beforehand and having a game plan going into it? Because it seems like Kenny, like you mentioned, had his mind a little made up beforehand. He started talking about, like, there wasn't a good training camp. Like, he wasn't training right. Like, you're going into this with a game plan already. Like, yo, if I see something, it's done. How important is it to be on the same page going into the fight with your corner and with your trainer? I feel like it's very important. You got to be on that same With anything in life, you got to be on the same page. That's where business, anything. If you're not on the same page, it won't work. It just won't work. It's like one of us want to go to take the left direction, but you want to take the right direction. How is that going to work? We got to be on the same page at all times because at the end of the day, somebody can seriously get hurt. Yep. Do you, so do you, it's like, had his son not know how to, you know, hold up for himself, maybe he would have got hurt ahead in early rounds. You get what I'm saying? And it's like, when he did get dropped, the first time it was like, all right, he got up. Second time he got dropped, it was like, he wasn't hurt, but he could have been hurt. Yeah, I mean, he was punching the canvas out of frustration. Like, come yeah. on, man. Like, come on. Porter, like, damn, come on, Sean, pick it up. But then when he seen his dad do that, it's like, what the fuck? He was shocked. <laughs> like, he saw it in his face. Yeah. He couldn't yeah. believe it. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people be like, oh, he was going to get hurt. Yeah, going to and being hurt is two different things. Yep. I feel like he deserved to. If if he if he wanted to go out on his shield or however that's that's he deserved it. He worked his way to do that, and I feel like he deserved that. Cause what if he would have held on, or it was like two rounds? Like what if he would have made it out and then wouldn't have been stopped? Yeah, not taking anything away from Crawford because Crawford is a beast. But who's to say? We won't know because of the decision his father made. Yo, was that that was that the trainer or was that the father making that decision? That was the father. That wasn't the trainer. Mm. The, 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 that was the father by even him even saying he had his mind made up. The tra- a trainer wouldn't just do that to a fighter. I feel like it's different from being a trainer and a father. A father, you're going to do things because 
motherfucker, I'm your father. I can do what I want. But then as a trainer, it's like, I can fire you in a blink of an eye. I can, I can fire you at any minute. So you're not going to just make certain decisions on for me based on how you felt my preparation was leading up to the fight. But a father would because at the end of the day, I'm your fucking father. <laughs> Can't fire so someone like, for being your father. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's pops for life. Yeah. Uh, I got I got one more question before we let, <laughs> before we let you go, man. Because now that we see this performance, you're gonna you know coming out with a victory. We expect you to be on the pound for pound list. But I'm curious what you think because we talked about Sean a lot. Do you think Terrence Crawford is now the number one pound for pound fighter, or is it still Canelo World right now? Is he still the man? I feel like it's, uh, it's I feel like it's slightly still Canelo World. You got to give it to Canelo. Uh, he just became undisputed. He already was beating everybody. He already had belts in each weight class. Uh, I I definitely will pick Crawford number two, then Earl, and whoever else. Whoever else, and that means you gonna find your way in there real soon. I'm going. I'm going. Uh, after next week, we're gonna see how things work out as far as the rankings. I'm not saying I. W- I'm not saying if I win, when I win. I got the most confident in myself. I know Brandon's coming to fight, but I know what I can bring. I know what I'm going to bring to the table, and I know and I know what I'm going to do. Last question. I got to You got to believe in yourself, man. You got to believe in yourself. You got to pick God first, but most importantly, believe in yourself. Facts. I believe it. Last question before we get you out of here. I'm put you on the spot. You know you're winning this weekend. Cool. Like I, I vote for the pound for pound list. I got my eye on you. Can't wait to see what happens. But going forward, there's two fights you can have after this. Anyone between 122 and 135. No politics not involved. The money is there. Who are you fighting if you can fight anyone the next two fights? Uh, honestly, how, how, in that situation, how I met my – see, I be having plans – I can't just say, all right, no, F it. I'm going to fight this person, that person. No, nah, what makes sense? I do I do things strategically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it would be MJ, then Neverette. Neverette. Mm, okay. I like that fight. No, I like it. Even at 126. So you're going up to me. Yeah. All right, cool. Because you know he left 122. People were like, oh, man, he's scared of Fulton. He had to bounce. He dropped the belt quick and went up. You know, once Shakur left, a lot, it was like he's a just, lot of people. A lot, a lot of people even say, "Oh, I was scared. I went to fight for the belt after he left." So it was like, you, I can't really listen to people. Uh, we, we, at the end of the day, I gotta, I gotta, we gotta, we gotta fight to see what's up. No, I like it. I like it, man. Thanks for taking time out and joining us during your fight week. Everyone, make sure you guys tune in this Saturday. Stephen Fulton, Brandon Figueroa, unification fight, banger. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Boxing's in an incredible stretch to end the year. I thought last weekend was fun. There's plenty more to come. But, Steven, get some rest. We appreciate you. We'll all be watching. (laughs) You guys will be right back after this break. Don't go anywhere. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We're the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. All right, we are back. Time to wrap this up. We got to talk about the fight itself. Terrence Crawford versus Sean Porter. Welterweight division, tons of implications there going forward. Before we knew Sean Porter was going to retire, we thought this was a game-changing fight for both fighters. It ended up being that. It did. And Sean, kudos to him, is very smart and aware, and he kind of repeated what we said on our last show, which was, if for any reason he lost, he was going to be the gatekeeper. Yes. They were, PBC, that contract, they were going to feed him to the Young Lions coming up. He was going to have to fight uh, Boots Ennis, uh, Virgil Ortiz. They, they were going to give him those fights. Maybe his championship days were done at that point. For Crawford, he's heading into free agency. 
You can't go into free agency off of a loss. Nope. The fights that you want, the money that you want, the person you think you are, there's no better way to do that coming off of a pay-per-view, selling well, putting on a good effort. I thought he could have won the decision and been fine. Yeah. Turns out, we get into the fight. It starts how we thought it would. Sean Porter, constant pressure. Yep. In Bud's chest, Bud, for some reason, he does this thing where he comes out orthodox. We all know he's a better southpaw, but he just wants to show off a little bit, or maybe he wants to throw off his opponent. It has to be some type of game plan thing. But a lot of times, that's why he starts slow. Like, yo, Bud's a slow starter. Yeah, he comes out in orthodox and kind of just plays with his food. Does that, lasts less than a round. He switches to southpaw at the end of that round. And in the post fight, he says, I figured Sean out in the first round. If that's true, who knows? The fight goes through the first three. I had it even after the first three. Same, same thing. Constant pressure by Sean. Bud trying to be slick. He made Sean miss on a lot of things. Sean was swinging wide. Louder power behind those punches. But even then, Sean caught Bud a couple of times. Bud shows off the chin, sticks out the tongue. You know, he's over there. He's getting loose. He's feeling good every time he gets hit. Bud, Bud is different. Everyone else, they do that. You're like, yo, they're hurt. You do that with Bud, you're like, oh, he's waking up. And then we see that seventh, eighth round. Okay, those rounds both go to Bud now. Okay, maybe there's some distance. Ninth round, toss up. Sean's overly aggressive, and I think that's what led into the 10th round. He kept pushing on the gas, and when he did that, at the end of the 9th, Bud Crawford was able to hit him a little more. In the 10th, Crawford had timed him completely. Dropped Sean in the 10th, similar to how Errol Spence dropped him, but the punch that you don't see is always the one that wobbles you. Catches him around the temple, boom, he goes down. Or the first one was uppercut, boom, he goes down. He gets back up, Bud Faints the uppercut, catches him with the loop and hook, drops him again. Sean is upset, beating the ground. Same, same thing he did at Errol Spence fight. Like, how could I get caught with this? I knew it was coming. Upset at himself. This time he doesn't get to shake it off like he did against Errol Spence. Finish out the fight, see what happens. His father stops the fight. He had seen enough. So much there to unpack and to digest. We can start with the game plan by both guys going in. Do you think Sean fought the fight he had to, to be Bud and keep this close? And do you think Bud came in with the right game plan from the jump? Or was it adjustments that led to the stoppage we saw? Because very close fight before the ninth round. Uh, well, this is what Sean had to do. There was no question that he had to put his head in his chest, in Bud's chest, and press forward, throw hands, try to make him uncomfortable, and fight his fight. That's what Sean Porter does. He doesn't allow you to breathe. He doesn't allow you to think. He's there every minute, every second of every round. We knew what he was going to do. Because if he came out, he was going to box, he was going to get beat up. It's just not Sean's thing. He would have survived. No, he wouldn't have. Because Terrence would have sensed that Sean was boxing, and he would have just been super aggressive. Okay. Sean being aggressive kept Terrence a little offbeat. Terrence is used to fighters fighting his fight. Where whether it's Mean Machine, whether it's Amir Khan, whether it's Kel Brook, whoever it is, he's used to being able to control the tempo, the distance, and he's used to hurting his opponents early enough where he's like, you ain't going to do that shit anymore. I know what you're going to do. With Sean, he couldn't hurt him early. Yeah, Sean doesn't get hurt. So he was there. Those rounds were back and forth. Very chippy, nip and tuck rounds. I had Terrence up a round before the 10th. Two judges had Terrence up a round. He was still in the fight. And one judge had two rounds up for Crawford. Nip and tuck fight. It was a hell of a fight. As far as Terrence is concerned, there ain't no plan. I truly believe when Ter- Terrence fights like Floyd. Just goes in and let's see what happens. Yeah. Like, let's see what they do. I'm coming out orthodox. I'm going to see how this works. If you react to my feints, I'll stay here. If you're not and I can't reach you, I'm going to switch. He realized really quick that Sean was susceptible to counters on, when he's fighting southpaw. Made that adjustment. It was still hard. But the thing, the thing about going southpaw is now my chin's a little further away from you because Sean throws those looping punches. He had to figure it out. It was just a matter of when was he going to catch Sean. The bigger thing that, that got me about Terrence is Terrence likes to dogfight. Oh, he I, loves it. Loves getting hit. This man, a lot of people fight Sean, they get really uncomfortable. Errol was really uncomfortable fighting Sean. He won, but he didn't like it. Terrence liked it. That's one dude that, like, 
Remember when BJ Penn fought and he licked the blood off his gloves? <laughs> yeah. That's Terrence Crawford. That is, that's Bud. Not even Terrence. That's Bud. Bud wants to do that. And as I was watching the fight, I was like, this ain't good for Sean. Like, it'll be close. But, but Terrence is, there's never going to be a point where Terrence is going to wilt. There's never going to be a point where Terrence is going to be like, ah, this is too much. No. I need to box. It was always kill, kill, kill. Like I said on our last show, this is all Terrence has. But as commentating, he's got kids, his family, he's a happy man. But this is it. If he loses, he knew it was going to be over. His sanctuary is that boxing ring. And he put on one hell of a performance. More importantly, we got to put some respect on that man's name. I mean, he stopped the guy who's never been stopped. Stopped him. He stopped. Now he stopped everyone at 147 pounds. And this is a guy that they said was too small for the division. My man is nine straight knockouts. Hasn't gone to the decision since 2016. When he turns it on, his best quality, and he's talented, and he's fundamental, and everything's great. And for his size, his length, like his arm length is crazy. It's like 74-inch reach or something stupid. He has longer arms than Canelo. Yes, he has all those attributes. He's probably built to fight. His best, his best quality is that he's mean. He's an angry little bastard. Honestly mean. Like, he... He goes in there and he understands it's competitive and he understands it's a sport. He goes in there and when it's time to step in the ring, he wants to hurt someone. Yes. He has ill intentions with everything he does. And that separates him from everyone else. He's the definition of you don't play boxing. No, nah, he's a dog. So in the post, we'll, we'll talk about the stoppage in a second, but when he stops him, there was a quote today and he was like, his father did the right thing because I saw that I hurt him. And if he would have gotten up, I was coming with a vengeance. And that's the realistic, like, he didn't say it in a weird way. He wasn't bragging. He wasn't yelling. He wasn't doing any of that. He said it so calmly that it was like, oh, no, I don't fuck with these people. Like, that's when you know, like, no, you mess with some people, it's the quiet ones that'll get you. Yeah. He's, he's just calm. It's like watching the serial killer documentaries on Netflix. Like, he's just unflappable. I saw him from ringside. He hit Sean with a punch in the seventh round. And you just see blood go everywhere. And I was like, I caught it like on my camera. I was like looking over my camera. And I was like, the blood splatters. And you just see Bud smile. And you just see mouthpiece. And he's just grinning ear to ear because he saw the blood come out. He little, loves that stuff. He's, he's off you gotta be in a the little, best of way. You got to be a little sadistic, right? You yeah. have to be. You have to be a killer. And Bud is both of those things. I do want to talk about the stoppage because it, it was really hard to see Sean, who was still in the fight, but his dad rescued him in his father's terms. And as we just talked to Stephen Fulton, that was a father and not a trainer. Yep. That was coming to his son's rescue. Problem is, though, they were out of sync. I, full disclosure, I know Kenny, I know, just like I know Sean. I did not like Kenny throwing his son under the bus the way he did at that post fight. It wasn't time to say that he had a bad camp. It wasn't time for any of that. Do you hate the stoppage or do you hate the words after the stoppage, because there's a difference. Okay, I hate the stoppage because he's, Sean's never been stopped. Yeah. Sean was beating on the canvas, getting up out of frustration. He would, and he made the count. Yes, he made the count. He was still ready to fight. Now, but in his head, it's over. Yeah. Because that's what he does. That's food. It's time to eat. But Sean's a man. He wants to stay in that fight, and he wants to go out on his shield because he's not really hurt. This isn't Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. No, he's not wobbling. He's not stumbling. He, no. Nothing like that. His dad was predicting the future for his son. He didn't trust his son anymore. But he didn't trust his son during training camp. If you don't trust your son in training camp, because Kenny said it in the post fight, I was going to stop it. He always knew he was going to stop that fight. Which means that you didn't trust your son for whatever reason during training camp to get the job done. That's so weird because in the other three big title fights at welterweight, when it was Thurman, and then after that you have um, Spence, Porter gets dropped the exact same way in each of those fights. Pounds the canvas, gets up, comes back harder, and he won yes. a round after that Yes, against, um, against Spence. Against Thurman, he went, and I thought he dominated the fight after that. So well, he didn't get to, dropped against Thurman. Against Thurman the, oh, no, he just got rocked fight. and yeah. bucked. Yeah, yeah. He got dropped against Broner. Broner. And, and that was in the 12th. Yes, in the final round. Yeah, and that was him up, being careless. Got up, went right back in his yeah. chest. He was upset about that. And it was just like, when you do that, against Thurman, he got hit really hard, stumbled, saved by the bell, went back, fifth round, 
Sixth round on, I thought he dominated. Yeah. And pressured Thurman, and Thurman wilted. And if that fight was any longer than 12 rounds, if this was the 80s, Sean Thurman loses that. Yeah, yeah. Sean would have won that So fight. Sean has always bounced back. It's weird to hear his dad say, like, I was going to stop. For what? He's shown nothing outside of the past, how long is camp? Four months? Outside of the past three months. Outside of the past three months. Before that, in his entire life, he never showed you that he quit or get finished. So you saw something in three months that is greater than he's shown you in 34 years. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what this is. You're a parent, I'm a parent. He wanted to teach his kid a lesson. Something in that camp, Sean was defying his father and doing things his way. Kenny didn't like it. Whatever it was, whether Sean was right and Kenny was wrong, or Kenny was, whatever it was, there was a rift. And Kenny was no longer trainer. He was his father. And when he saw his son not doing what he wanted him to do, he pulled the plug. Because he did, it's like seeing your kid get in a fight that you don't think he can win, you don't want to see your kid get hurt. But you don't know if your kid has that dog in him. And for whatever reason, Kenny didn't believe Sean had that dog in him for the rest of his fight. See, that's, that's bothering me. That's like when I grew up. It's an odd story, analogy. But um, the literal times I did go to church, and I was made to go to church, I always disliked when, like, because, you know, certain kids, church is boring for a lot of people. Certain kids will act out, and there's always, like, the certain parents that will take the kid to the bathroom and, like, beat their ass, and the whole church knows that the kid again their ass beat. To me, I was like, why don't you just wait until you go home? Like, just, there, there's no need for public humiliation. Like, what does that give you? The stage isn't right for that. If you're going to tell your son something and show your son a lesson, this isn't the stage for it. This is the biggest stage of his life. This is not where you show the lesson. You treat this normal as hell. You be your trainer. And then afterwards, then you, you do whatever you got to do and settle it with your son. You don't publicly, I'm not going to say humiliated him, but it's not the time to, to do that. And, you know, I, I thought, you know, during our interview before, I thought it was spot on. You know, Fulton, Fulton said that, like, yo, I think he made it about him. Yeah. And it can't be about you in that point. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's tough. It, it's really tough. I, I hated it. As soon as I saw Kenny walking up the steps, I was like, I, I, usually I don't get emotional from press row. Again, this is my man that, that, I, that I just did his walkout. And I saw Kenny walking up the steps. As Sean was getting up, Kenny had already made up his mind when he hit the canvas that it was over. He was looking for the towel. He started making his way up the steps. And that was it. Now, real quick, Sean's legacy is cemented. You know, he may not be remembered as the greatest fighter of all time. He may not be remembered as, a t uh, I mean, I don't know how the Hall of Fame votes. He might not get in on, on his first try. But what Sean Porter is, is respected for his fearlessness. He'll fight anybody. We have never, he was the glue that kept 147 together. Because if, if y'all weren't going to fight each other, he's like, all right, fuck it, I'm going to fight you. Danny Garcia, you want this smoke? I'll fight you. Ugas, nobody wants to fight you? I'll do it. Errol, you need a belt? I got a belt. Let's do this. There was no politics with Sean Porter. And people say he'll come back. I don't think he's got nothing left to prove. No, I think, I think he's good. He's done what he has. He's fought the three best in his weight class. And he tried. Yeah. He didn't come up short. He's held the title before. It's not like he's winless. He ain't. Charles Barkley. Like, you know, like the man, <laughs> like the man has his, his belts. He has his titles. He has it twice. He's good. He, he's been to the mountaintop. But there were a couple of other champions that were better than him in those situations. Yeah. With Bud, now going forward, he made it very clear he's not re-signing the top rank. No, he said it, he said it next to Bob. Next to Bob. In Bob's face. I was like, oh, you, you the real deal. Yo, Bob, Bob, Bob sat there and was like, this son of a bitch. Yo, but it was like, you couldn't get me to fight when I was with you. You can't get me to fight when I'm without you. It's over. Yeah. So I, I think he moves on. We'll see if PBC is open to hearing him. We'll see if he's caught up in the Canelo madness oh, where he thinks he's everyone can be a free agent. He's a free agent. You're going to find out real fast there's levels to this. Yeah. And that you can't just Canelo belt hop and think you're going to have pay-per-view versus this guy versus that guy. You'd be the A-side and everything. Not everyone is Canelo. Not everyone was Mayweather. Like, Mayweather did that, and then we see other people like, oh, maybe I can do that. No, it doesn't work the same. Bud can do it. I, but, but here's why Bud, Bud can do it, but you better be the B-side in a couple of well, these. Well, Bud can do it. The only side fight he would be a B-side in is against Arrow. 
That's it. Based off of numbers, I think Thurman There's demands no way. a split. You know, he'd be an A, but Thurman demands a 55-45. I think if he moves up to 154, I think Charlo demands to be the A side. He is the champion. I mean, they could, but again, here's the thing. But but is a Bud bigger, would then just not fight him because that's big, what he thinks. Yeah, but is a bigger draw than uh, Thurman. Sure, and not bigger than Charlo if you move up. He's a bigger draw than Charlo. Charlo ain't drawing nothing. This is a man's first pay per view. Who's? But he fought. Didn't he fight Americana pay, or Kell Brook on pay per view? That was on television. Uh, ESPN. Well, Charlo ain't. I, I bet you this fight did bigger numbers than Charlo. Sure, it's behind a paywall. You think he's gonna get those numbers? I don't, I don't know. If you leave as a free agent, we're just keeping a buck, and there's no info, inside information. You're leaving as a free agent. Your contract's done now. You think he's going to come to ESPN and top rank and be like, hey, I think that fight did really well. Can you give me the real numbers? No, no, no. I don't think like, it's no, that. No, they're going to be like, yo, you can assume what you want to assume. Go get your next deal. I think by Terrence Crawford knocking out Sean Porter, his drawing power is there. He's a champion. Roads still go through him because facts – as much as I like Arrow, he didn't fight Pacquiao. No. Terrence Crawford just beat one of the men. He just beat the man that Arrow barely got by. He is the number two pound-for-pound fighter in the world. He's behind Canelo. All roads kind of go through Terrence Crawford. He didn't win a decision. It was very clear what happened. If you want that belt, like, he's going to get a fight. Yeah. He, Terrence can go, hey, matchroom, that kid Virgil, I'll beat his ass. Oh, they'll give him Virgil, yeah. I'll beat and He's like, all right, now if I beat him up, Keith, you going to fight me? Because you, if you want these belts, you have, you have to fight me. me. Yeah. So, some, like, PBC's not going to sign Terrence, but they'll do a one-off with him. Yeah. Because they'll send, they'll send another one. Just like he said, Bud said, Sean Porter was your sacrificial lamb. He's not going to sign with you. Bring me another one. Yeah. Feed me more. And one day, even though Arrow's got up and walked out the arena... Hey man, you can't keep doing that. You can't Sooner run later, for the, You yeah, gotta fight. The noise will get too loud. Yeah, like you can go up to fifty four if you really want to. I guarantee you, Terrence will find you there. He'll chase him. Yep. And that's a dog. Belt just, or no belt. Who just sold out an arena? Who just is gone viral? He's he's got fans, and now you look like the punk. Yeah. Somebody gonna have to fight that. It's kid. gonna be, it's gonna be tough. Um, that's our show for today. Yeah, we gotta go do a live stream. We do. We have to do our wrestling live stream. Shout out to Emilio Sparks in the building for the live stream. Big Mac, Ryan McKinnell from Busted Open in the house for the live stream. This is going to be fun. You guys would have already watched it now, yeah. but if you haven't, it'll still be up on Twitter. Make sure you guys go rewatch that. Plenty of time. We'll leave it up for you. We're coming back on Wednesday with another boxing show. We have Teofimo Lopez. We have Fulton. So much boxing to talk about. Maybe stuff shakes out in the world of Bud Crawford. We get to see some of the other fights coming up, like Gervonta Davis, Devin Haney. We're getting closer to those. So, man, a lot of boxing this week. It's going to be exciting. In the meantime, make sure you follow us on social media, at cornerpodcast underscore on Twitter. It's also where you can find our live streams. And then at cornerclubforlife on Instagram. You can follow me, at Kel Dansby, him, and Andreas Hale on all platforms. Shout out to Blue Wire Network, Blue Wire Studios here at the Win Las Vegas. If you guys are in town, come through. It's fun. The audio goes into the hallway. You can watch us. It's always a great time over here. Shout out to everyone in production in the booth. Producer Cole, baby, always holding it down for us, making sure all of this runs smoothly. We appreciate all of you. Stay safe. We'll see you all on Wednesday. Until next time, we're out. Peace.